Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Time out for the ATP, brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service. From the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts, the ATP reads, Hey Jim, before you peace out back to Wisco, any chance that you can drop a hint about the Sparrows? Whereabouts? Respectfully, the clones. I absolutely can. And he's much closer than you think. Very interesting that you would ask. All right, so today is officially Adam Hawk's final day on the program. Adam and I were chopping it up recently, and we were talking about the future. And he let me know at that point that he had been thinking about his own future. And he had been thinking about where he wanted to go with his life and his career professionally where he wanted to go personally and that Adam had given it significant thought and let me know that it was time for him to try the next thing that it was time for him to move on with his journey and his career and I want to repeat right now what I said to him when he told me that and he came at it from the best place imaginable and just said it's just time it's time for me to do this and what I said to him then I want to say right now I appreciate that very much I respect that very much. I appreciate you, Adam, personally very much. This is not an easy gig. We go hard. Not everybody is built for this gig. But you did a hell of a job. You were a great producer. You were a great steward of the program. You were great with the clones. You were great for me to work with. You did a tremendous job of repping this show, of repping me, and of repping Clone Nation. So, I respect this decision very much. I appreciate you, and I want to thank you for everything you did. You had a hell of a run. The show is better for your time being here, and I like to think that you're better for being here as well. So, I appreciate you. I appreciate the time you put in. I want to thank you for all of that, and I want to wish you all the luck in the world with whatever it is you choose to do going forward. And know this, you will always be extremely well thought of around here and welcome around here. And sure enough, he is here. Adam Hawk. What's up, dude? Jim, it is such a pleasure and honor and just a really bittersweet moment that's kind of washing over me right now in real time to be speaking with you on the air. Uh, probably, who knows, maybe for the last time. It's just, it's it's crazy. Thank you so much for all of those things that you just said and for the last five years um, it's it's been awesome, and I'm really happy to be back today with you right now. All right, so when you think back on these last five years, it, it is there is a lot to process and a lot that went down in the last five years. When you think about your last five years here, what are the types of things that you're going to remember the most? To be honest, and not to overstate it, the experience has been nothing short of life-changing. Um, this is the pinnacle of sports talk radio. It's where I always wanted to be to get here um, and to work with you and with this staff has just been incredible. Um, my family now lives in Orange County. Like we changed where we lived. I have kids now and raised them in the Orange County school districts. My friends are now in Orange County. The dads that I coach soccer with are here. So it literally changed my life. And it got me to do some things that I probably would have never done before. From things as stupid as getting a cat tattoo with a tattoo artist that's now one of my best friends and has done 17 tattoos on me since to running a couple of marathons, um, to becoming friends with Steve Elkington and Cruz Pedregon and the Good Brothers and the Pappas family and Benny Scholl from Avoid. Uh, The doors that this show has opened up for me is incredible. And not to sound like a D-bag, but because of you, you know, strangers know who I am. I've never had that in my life before. So it's been- Which is all you've ever wanted. Well, (laughs) it's been nothing short of life-changing. So what will I remember the most? It changed my life. Now, I can appreciate that. Listen, I want, I want to be very transparent about this because I don't want people running around trying to determine what happened. What happened is exactly what I said. Let's be very transparent about this. You and I were talking about the show and the future of the show, and I said, here's what I'm thinking. And you said, well, I want to tell you what I'm thinking, and you were thinking that you were ready for the next thing. Let's be very transparent about that. Absolutely. There is no dramatic kind of weird thing. I wouldn't be here today if there was some kind of weird animosity so 
that never happened. I don't think we could have ended this thing on better terms. I think we had a wonderful five-year run together. I couldn't have been more honored to work with you. We ended as strong as you possibly could. The smack-off trended number one. A lot of people said it was the best one ever. Uh, you did an amazing spot on the Dan Lebitard show that had your first and last name trending. Like We went hard up until the finish line, and that's exactly how I wanted it to end. And um, I don't think if there was any kind of bad blood or weird ending, I would be here or we would have gone as hard as we did. So this is just, it's as amicable as could possibly be. And I, I'm glad that you're making that point so everyone knows it as well. You know, exactly. This ends very well. You and I end on very good terms. It's just business. You were ready to move on. You gave me five years. You gave us five years. You went as hard as you could and then made the decision, I want to try something new. I want to move on with my life. So let's just be very, very clear, everybody. There's nothing, there's nothing to see here. This is exactly what this is. So what's the next thing? What are you going to focus on? now um i don't want to turn it into a commercial for small business but i do appreciate you asking um what is next is building out uh the golf brand and the apparel brand and the beer business and all of that i just you know i i i know your story you went around knocking on doors syndicating this thing in a grassroots way and so building your own business and working for your dad and then doing your own thing it's kind of like the path that i'm following now i'm, I'm going to go and start my own thing or at least give it more attention because that's where I'm being called right now and that's my passion is to build something for myself but that being said in the process of building that there was a work ethic and a grind that I learned here that um, it's priceless and it will make me a better entrepreneur it will make me a better future employer of people that will eventually hopefully uh, work for me um, so I I will be applying a lot of what I learned here Dude, to we're the all gonna thing. work for you one day right well, hopefully a few That's people. That's what that one GM told us. We will all one day work for you. Hopefully a few people. Now, I know that we have a hard network out and we're up against it. Would you mind if I just said thank you to a few people? Please do. All right. So on the TV side, I do want to say thank you to David Kampf, Jake Gittich, Nate Lowenthal, Charlie, Ab, Einer, Mike, John, uh, the OG, Sam Dusenberry, and Daniel Ferrari. And then a special shout out to Sharon Watson, who has just been like my spiritual Sherpa for the last year. I love that guy. Uh, he has changed my life for the better, and he knows it. To the New York guys, Tom DeCelestinos, to Kovacs, Connor, James, and everyone who kept us on the air in New York, uh, thank you for that. To David Miranak, Mark Cherenoff, you guys were great bosses to work for. And I do really quickly want to take this opportunity to shout out the clones the best audience in the world, it's not even close. I told you when I got here, I thought that the interaction was like fake or manufactured because there was just so much of it. And I've worked in radio my whole life and I've never seen that. And then I got here and was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. These guys are loyal, they're smart, they're funny, they're clever. Uh, they have supported me in numerous ways from cheering me on at the marathons to sending nice messages when my son was born to taking a peek at some of the side hustles. It's uh, just been amazing. And I've been accused of being a little too clone friendly you know, putting a little too many uh, penis jokes in front of the Hall of Fame host over the last uh, five years. And so I would like to, you know, to everyone, to everyone who's bothered by that, I would like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody because the clone friendly EP will do what the hell he wants. And it was so much fun doing a show for you guys that um, if that's my legacy that I love the clones, I, that's a legacy that I'm willing to go out on to the show staff, Austin, Keith and Ronnie Moore. You guys are in a fraternity uh, and I love you forever. Tom, you are the right guy for the job. I loved spending those two weeks with you. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. said, if they're not roasting you, they don't care about you. So I think they care about you, Count Chocula. And uh, to Dave Whalen, your standard made me a better employee, whether you knew it or not. Kristen and Erica, thanks for the Super Bowl dinners. My favorite was when you said no to a party, and then I ran into you later that night at that that was incredible. Um, that is incredible, by the way. Garrett Ritt, one of one, absolutely one of the best human beings I've ever met. Um, he takes a lot of crap more than I ever did, which is incredible. And he just doesn't apologize for it. And you have to love him for it. I literally went behind his back to cut off his hot chocolate. And he's still yeah. like a good friend of mine. And it just, it takes a real great guy to deal with that. I heard the other day, you said that a cardboard cutout of him would deter people from having sex forever. And he still like shows up, you know, it's just, you have to love that attitude. James Kelly, best dude ever, my favorite person on staff, favorite guy to text with, just love that guy. He's a superstar. I'm glad everyone's seeing it. Alvin DeLauro, it's impossible to understate how much I love this dude. He is loyal to a fault. I know for the rest of my life that he will always have my back. A lot of people say they're loyal, but they're the furthest thing from. We all backstab. We all talk behind people's back. It's just human nature. But Alvin is 
the pinnacle of loyalty. Craig Kitchen, what an honor to be in that guy's presence for five years. People would kill for the attention that I got from Craig from the last five years. He's an industry tycoon and just a really fantastic guy. Makes you feel like the most important person in the world. And Jim, it was a thrill of a lifetime to work with you. Sometimes I would sit here and just become fully aware of the moment. Like, holy crap, I'm in the same room as Jim Rome and he's doing his thing. The thing that I watched him do since high school. Like, I cannot believe I'm in the room and I'm watching the GOAT do the thing. And you're, you won't say it, so I will. You invented the industry. Everyone is here because of you. Um, you made my life so much better. You have had influence and inspiration on people that you will never, ever meet. But I would like to tell you that I am at the front of that line. So I could go on and on. I know we're up against it. I had a lot more written out, but just thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. I got to see the best of the best do it every single day for five years. And that will be uh, on the front of my mind for a long time. So you've left a lasting, lasting impact on me. And the last thing I'll say is one of the coolest things about you was um, you were just so proud of your family that you couldn't help but bring them up all the time. You talked about Janet glowingly and your sons with so much pride. And as a young dad and a husband, you, that's as important to me to learn from you as anything else. So uh, just, just great. So shout out to everybody. And if I forgot you, I'm so sorry. We're just, we're up against it, but I will take the time to respond to anyone on Twitter. So the people that have reached out the last two weeks and last night and this morning, I love you all. And I will, I'll talk to you soon. I've I got a little family trip to Palm Springs, so maybe not right away, but I will get back to everyone. And thank you so much for everything, everyone. Truly, Adam, if you're concerned that you forgot anybody, trust me, you did not. I think that you shouted out anybody and everybody who's ever listened to the program, and I appreciate it. Extremely well said. Thank you very much for the kind words that touched me deeply. I mean, you you covered so much ground that you talked right over the present that we had for you. So, Alvin, I don't know, like, if this if this lives off air, we don't have enough time for this. Do we play part of this? Why don't we give Adam part of his gift, Alvin? Go ahead. The hawk that was. So we had to staff up. I brought a few guys in, but Adam Hawk is the new EP, and I want to bring him up. Dude, no pressure. Yeah, I'm uh, from Seattle, although I hate the Seahawks. Longtime listener of the show, really stoked that the position became open and that I got to talk to you and Craig and be a part of it. Hey, Julio, do you think Tom Brady's recovery sleepwear actually works? Uh, I don't know anything about sleepwear. Do you know Johnny Unitas? Oh, yeah. Uh, Who's that? The uh, guy that got drunk and tried to kiss Susie Colbert. That's Joe Namath. Yeah! absolutely through my spine getting into the my right golf cleat. You are an idiot. Yeah. You are one tattoo and a couple of stretched earlobe rings away from executive producing people's drink orders at a Starbucks. Hey Adam, uh, how's your day going? I honestly dream day. The phones don't work, yeah. moron. Yeah. No. What I'm, do you mean it's a dream day? Hawks stash. I wasn't trying to draw attention to myself. I was actually trying to blend in. Yeah, because hey. <laughs> <laughs> You went from looking like a porn star to a murderer. It looks like dude selling used clothing. It's going to come pre-shrunk, pre-pit stained, and already smelling like cigar smoke. I'm going to get a picture of my cat's face tattooed onto me tomorrow. Uh, the only question left right now is placement. The only question left is where you're going to work next. Yo, he didn't tattoo his cat on his... Dude, he did. Oh my gosh, that's the cutest thing I've ever seen. The kitty cat on the forearm, that's it hot. Did you have any idea that he was going to utter the name Sarah Jessica Parker? I did. You did? I did. And you thought that was okay? Yeah. Or Adam Hawk forever. Adam Hawk, and there is the medal. Oh, dude, that's nice. Yep. Thank you. Remember really? when uh, David Wise brought his Olympic gold in? This is uh, like that, except better. I've seen Twitter. They're all like, yeah, you were with soccer moms and fat guys there at the end. So? I don't care. Now let me translate all that into Hawk's natural dialect. Nice. Jim could not be any worse than he is right now, man. Dude, dude, I'm streaming this. Uh, I decided to do a little digging on Hawk. You brought him on air 78 times. You've ran him 57 of those times. There's more where that came from. We just ran out of time. Adam, thank you for everything. You did a great, great job, and I appreciate you personally. Well done. Adam Hawk, great legacy here. That's it. We will tweet the rest of that out. I will see you in two weeks. Look for Adam online. Thank you for listening. We're out. 
Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There is a ton in the world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all these terms that your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Learn about these investment products and more at Investor.gov, your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. We are joined by John Cooper. John, it's so good to have you back. Congratulations. And how are you? I'm awesome. It's got to be the uh, jungle karma, man. Every time I come on your show, we win a cup, so we got to keep this going. Yeah, John, I would love to take credit for that. Believe me, I would love to take credit for that, but I'm guessing <laughs> it's got a little more to do with you, the organization, the fact you can roll those four lines and everything else, but thank you very much. You've had some time to think about this since that 1-0 winning Game 5 that wrapped up the second straight Stanley Cup. Like, John, when you think back on the accomplishment of winning two straight, what are the moments or memories that stick out to you the most right now? I think the big thing was, um, you know, winning the bubble, you win your first cup, and it's it's just an exhilarating relief, all these emotions you have. But we were robbed of, of doing it in front of fans. And it's, you know, it's kind of rare, you know, you get that second chance to do it again, and the boys came through and did it. And I, it's just, there's a couple vivid memories I have. Game seven against the Islanders, Yanni Gord scores that shorthanded goal. It was the loudest I'd ever heard in the arena when that goal was scored. And then, and then the last, like, 30 seconds were just, it was like an earthquake was going on. And then probably the last minute of game five when we beat Montreal, it was like Bedlam again. But we, we missed that. And it was phenomenal to win the Cup the first time, but to be able to, to do it in front of our fans, it was, you know, in a weird way, maybe it was, it was meant to be that way, and, and they got their uh, experience with, right. uh, with was- us. I'm sorry, I was going to say I would agree with you, John. It was so great to see the opportunity to win that in front of 18,000 fans and what that building must have felt like on the inside. Like, you knew that going into the season, winning a Stanley Cup is hard, really, really hard. How much more difficult is it to win a second straight cup? Well, and, and that's the thing, right? When you win, the, you understand how hard it really is when you don't win. But then when you do win, you understand how many things have to go right for you to win. And whether it's another team gets injured or the puck bounces, it just there's so many things. So when you're doing it again, you're like, oh, I know we've got the group that can do it, but you just never know. And, and you know, I, it's well documented now. Like, we had, you know, McDonough had a broken hand, Goudreau a broken hand, Cooch uh, had a broken rib. Like, all these guys, they just gutted through this um, and, and to help us will us to another win. And so you really, really appreciate a, how hard it is, and B, the fact that they did it again. Like, I'm just in awe of the players, and uh, it was just so much fun to be a part of. Honestly, I am too. I am in awe of the players that they did that again, especially given the injuries, John, that you just mentioned. I mean, I could actually follow up and ask you about any of those guys, but let me ask you about Kucherov. He did miss the regular season after hip surgery. He played the last six games with that fractured rib that you mentioned, yet he did join Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux as the only players with back-to-back playoffs of 30 points or more, what is it about him that makes him so special? Well, that's the word. He, he, it's, it's so hard to describe like, what he sees. And it's just weird. He sees plays happen before everybody else, and more importantly, before the guy he's going against sees it. And I'm not saying he's the only guy that can do that, but like, if I was going to throw in you know, into a hat like the top four players in the league, you know, Cooch's name's got to go in that hat. And can't sit here to say exactly who is the best, but he has attributes. It's it just his skill set with his vision, and and the way he thinks things. It's just it's elite, and he's really learned now. Like his work ethic is awesome. Like he he just all those intangibles that you really need to push your talent to the top. He's learned, and 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 it's just like it's crazy. It's crazy. He missed the whole season, especially on hip which are so important to have when you skate. And he came in and did what he did is uh, pretty remarkable. We're talking to John Cooper. You know, John, I know because you and I have had these conversations and I know you study things like this, but I want to ask about something that Pat Riley has talked about and written about in the past. 
And that's what happens after a team has success. And players who've been sublimating themselves for the betterment of the team suddenly want to collect on that fame as individuals. That does not seem to have happened with your group. Is it something you have consciously worked to avoid? And if so, how have you gone about doing that? Yeah, like, well, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's uh, probably a couple years of not getting to where you want to be, a little failure in there, and then learning from it, and everybody understanding, okay, this is the recipe for success, and that recipe was a collective effort. It wasn't just individual, and like I tell the players all the time, when the team has success, individuals will prosper in so many different ways, but it doesn't happen unless we do it together. And we had a really, I know it sounds cliche but everybody from the trainers and equipment guys to the captain have to all buy into the same thing. And when you pull in, I, I really believe, like, you need skill on your team. There's no question. But if you've got character and skill, a character will trump it. And, and, and you need those guys to believe in each other. And they really did. And I think when it's well documented, and we got swept by Columbus a couple of years ago when we had 62 wins and all that stuff, it was an awful experience. But I truly believe we're probably not sitting here having this conversation without that experience. And the guys have accepted it. They bought into that. And, and now they know what the team means. And it's, uh, this is what happens. And I, I can't guarantee it for everybody, but for this group, they really bought in. And, and now we've got two cups to show for it. You do. John Cooper is joining us. You know, John, I've made the point. Not everybody understands this. Certainly not everybody agrees with it. Maybe I'm not even right. But I've always said that winning the Stanley Cup, in my opinion, is the toughest thing to do in all of sports. I'm not sure, and this is not to slight any other athlete in any other sport that's won any other trophy. I just don't know collectively that it means more to a group of athletes than it does NHL is to get their name on that cup. Now, I might be wrong, and maybe you can help me explain this. But, for instance, Pat Maroon, who has now won three straight, said, quote, I was basically crying on the bench with 140 left. We just won back-to-back, bleeping amazing, end of quote. So what I'm getting at is this, John. How do you explain what the cup represents and the fact that it's still that special no matter how many times you get your name on it? Yeah, it's, it's almost inbred to you when you're a young kid and you watch, you, you read the books. And I always remember Gretzky's book. and He talks about how the Islanders swept them in 83, I think it was. And then they're all walking out and, you know, in their suits and stuff like that. And they walk by the Islanders locker room and, all the, they've won the cup, but they're all got ice packs on their bags and they're on, on their on their bodies. And I always thought that, and I think it, it's almost ingrained in players' heads. And, and the grueling war you go through for two months—like it's a two-month process of 82 games getting to the to the playoffs—but then it's two months of just a war. And and so when you when you get to the pinnacle, I think every kid's dreamed about it for their entire life. And then, to me, it is the most wonderful, iconic trophy in sports. And it's like you've probably heard me say this before. Nobody really wants to see John Cooper, but when John Cooper walks in somewhere with the Stanley Cup, I mean, it's like walking in with Mick Jagger. Like, it's crazy. And that's the attention it draws. And so you get to that point of having the ability to win it and the names that are etched on it, uh, there's nothing better. And, and it's something that, you know, they can never take away from you. And so it's, it's just it's such a powerful trophy and the way you have to win it. And I think that's why, it, you know, players are brought to tears when they do win. John Cooper, my guest, that Gretzky story that you reset really is something. I've heard him tell that story a number of times. I remember when I first met him, he came on the show and told that story. His point being that we didn't know. We didn't know the price that you had to pay. We saw the Islanders in the locker room. We saw that they literally had nothing left, every last guy in that room, and the sort of sacrifices they had to make. We knew at that point that that's what it took. John, when you say that really nobody wants to see John Cooper, but then I walk in with that trophy, and it's like Mick Jagger's here, I would argue that people do want to see you and people react to you. Stamco said this of you, quote, he's confident, and that's something that has always spilled over to the teams he's coached, Probably why a lot of them have gone on to become champions, including ourselves. You know, John, I say this not because you and I are having a conversation, but I, I can hear it. I can hear it in the energy when you and I speak. This confidence that you're able to kind of transfer to others. It is contagious. How do you go about transferring that to others? Oh, <laughs> it's hard to say because like, I try 
Like, you have to have, and I don't know if I'm going to even say this the proper way, but there's a fine line, right? Like, you have to be confident. You have to believe in what you're doing. And you have to stand up for your convictions. But, you know, you hope you've got a great um, balance and morals and things your parents have brought, taught you and, and how, you know, you treat other people. But in the end, it's, it's all about the team. And you can't put yourself above any of that. But you have to have confidence in what you're doing. And, and I think, I don't know, I, you try and bring energy. You try and make people a part of this. You have to make everything bigger than yourself. And you have to, the big thing is you have to make people relevant. And that's something what I've tried to do. Um, yes, I'm a part of it. But in the end, I'm just a small part of it. And yes, I am the head coach and, and all that stuff. But relevance is a big thing. And, and you just, you can't have people in your group that can't feel a part of it. And so I always try and mandate that with myself and with, with everybody that we're with. And, you know, so far, so good. I, I don't know if that made sense to anybody, but it's, uh, you, have to, you have to bring energy, even on the days when you don't have it. And that's what we've tried to do and, and surround ourselves with good people. And this is what's happened. I think that makes all sense in the world. I, what I'm hearing from you is, yeah, of course you have to be confident, but the better word might be conviction. You have to have conviction. And that last point you just made, I love too, that you, on certain days when you don't have it, you have to bring energy. In other words, you have to be at your best on your worst days one more thing, John, if you don't mind. One of your phrases has been, quote, process over outcome, work over hope. I love it. It may seem self-evident, but can you explain what you mean by that? Process over outcome and work over hope. Well, the big thing is, so I'll give you an example. Game five last year against Dallas in the finals. We have a chance to close them out. We end up losing overtime. Kudos uh, on Dallas, they beat us. I felt we didn't play our best game, and I felt we weren't as focused. And part of that came down to, I think, when you get that close to win the Stanley Cup, you're thinking of the outcome over the process that got you there. And so it was one of those situations of turn the cell phones off. Your friends will be there. Trust me, the text messages you're going to receive after you win are going to crush the text messages you're going to receive before you win. Get out of the limelight. Focus on the game and our process that got us here. So I'm just trying to put in a little example over that. And then the, the other one was, um, you know, hope is a wonderful attribute and everybody should have it, but it shouldn't be a strategy. And you have to work to get there. And so, you, you know, you just don't want to hope you're going to win. You've got to work yourself to win. And so you just kind of we tied that into the group and our thought process. And, you know, like saying the process, there's a process to it. And it's all the practices. It's our meetings. It's everything, our habits that have got us to this one point. And then the outcome will follow. But you can't think about the outcome. The rest of time will think of the outcome. But you have to trust it, and, and that's what we've done, and it's served us well. I love hope is an attribute but not a strategy. He is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the longest tenured head coach in the NHL, and they just went back-to-back. John, I'm not going to ask you about three. I'm going to let you enjoy number two, but really good to have you on the show. I do appreciate the relationship very much, and always good to talk to you, John. Congrats. Thanks, my man. I, uh, I love coming on, and hopefully talk soon. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business and be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak to a Dell Technologies advisor today. Let's talk Wisconsin. The Bucks had their championship parade yesterday, and it had a little bit of everything. It had a double-decker bus speeding through the streets like Keanu Reeves was at the wheel. Giannis shooting free throws from a bus, a dude with an iguana, because every parade needs one of those, and it had Brandon Jennings. Hell yes, Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings, the OG, the godfather of Bucks in six. And let me be very clear. My man was not just at the parade. He was in the parade. There's a distinction. 
And my guy was perfect. I mean, sure, he has not played an NBA game in three years. And no, he has not started a game for the Bucs in eight years. But he was right there yesterday. And he was partying like he was the guy who scored 50 in a closeout game. Came back and coined the phrase Bucks and six. We saw Michael Red a few moments ago. The crowd loves this. This is what it's all about. These players go by fast. Michael Red. Hell yes. Dead eye, Michael Red. We're talking OGs. But none bigger than Brandon Jennings. He was slamming beers in the back of a pickup truck while the crowd, ch- crowd chanted, Bucks in six, Bucks in six. I mean, what a time to be alive. And if Brandon Jennings was having himself a time, Giannis was having a transcendent time, especially when he was able to jump up onto the Jeep that was carrying his brother. As Giannis told a reporter for The Athletic, quote, it's insane, touch my heart, end quote. See, that wasn't even a figure of speech. That was not an expression. That was more of an invitation or even a command. Let me read further from The Athletic. Quote, at this moment, Giannis puffed out his chest, grabbed my left hand, put it where I could feel his heartbeat. It was indeed racing. Quote, my heart is beating fast, bro. It's crazy. It's bleeping crazy. End quote. Man, it is too. This is a team that was counted out time and time again, and yet they just kept coming back. They kept answering the bell. Now they are your NBA champions. Or as Giannis again told the Athletic, at the end of the day, now they respect us, man. Milwaukee is on the bleeping map again. You know what I'm saying? And they got to put some respect on our team. We are a dangerous team. We are a dangerous organization. We have a great culture, and we have a winning culture, and we want to keep getting better. End of quote. I mean, bam. They are a dangerous team and a dangerous organization, and that right there is a very dangerous man. It is awesome. Now, if I wanted to, This is the time where I could play clips from other great parades, other great moments from championship parades of yesteryear, if I wanted to. In fact, I do want to. Who will ever forget Dirk singing in Dallas? We are the champions. We are the champions. So there's a reason I'm doing this. I'm setting this up for something else. These are some of the great moments in parade history. Jason Kelsey screaming in a mummer's costume. If I don't eat breakfast, I'm pissed off. Hell yeah! Kelsey, Kels, whatever they're calling themselves these days, an amazing moment. How about Corey Crawford doing his thing? You're right, Chicago! Biggest bunch of beauties in the league. Work their nuts off for this trophy. Hard to top that. Hard to top that moment. Kawhi gave it a shot when he busted out his laugh in Toronto. Uh Or how about my guy Will Gay dropping his version of the yeah on everybody in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just won the Super Bowl. I don't know, man. In context, I don't know how you do better than that. I mean, you might flip it on its head and say that if you've seen one championship parade or rally, you have seen all of them. However, you have never seen one with my guy, P.J. Tucker. Until you've seen that, you haven't seen a championship parade. And yesterday, we got to see a championship parade with P.J. Tucker. And it was everything that I had hoped for. I didn't want to say it yesterday before the parade went down, but I had really high expectations for P.J. Tucker at that parade because I've got the utmost respect for P.J. Tucker everywhere. But in particular, because I know how hard this guy had to battle just to get to the NBA. And then how hard he had to battle to become the player that he is in the NBA. And then how hard he had to battle to become an NBA champion. 
He was part of a team that came back from 2-0 down in the finals to win it all. So there was no way that this guy was going to show up, sip a little bit of water, and say, hey, see y'all back here next year. Hell no. You know, I want to get something else clear right now about P.J. Tucker. Do not tell me this guy's been waiting his whole life for a parade. Hell no. Dead wrong. He's been working his whole life for a parade, preparing his whole life for a parade. There is an enormous difference. He's been grinding for this moment, so there was no way he was going to let it slip without drinking up every last drop. And I mean that in the best way possible. This guy got so loose on the parade route, guys around the league were checking in on him. Carmelo Anthony tweeted, quote, Damn, what's in your glass, PJ? He was having so much fun that according to Dario Melendez of Bally Sports, Mike Budenholzer yelled from his bus to PJ, quote, PJ, why the bleep wasn't I on your bus? You got the good stuff over there, end quote. Like, you know you're having a good time when the head coach wants to be in on your good time. This is good, right? Then you get to the rally. Then you get the big dog up on stage. Then PJ gets in front of a mic. He's got the Larry Owen one hand. He's got a gigantic gold bottle of champagne about as big as the trophy in the other hand. And then he told the story of joining that team midseason. You know, it's crazy. That's what everybody, like, when I came here, they're like, yo, you got to, like, show, like, you got to be the dog. And I'm like, we, man, we got dogs. Like, they just ain't, like, we, <laughs> like, I got here, like, we, we already got dogs. They just don't know how to be dogs. And we going to be dogs. And our dogs is crazy. We got dogs, you hear me? Milwaukee, we dogs. There you have it. If you were waiting for the moment from that parade, there it was. We got dogs. Our dogs is crazy. Alvin, run back the dogs. We already got dogs. They just don't know how to be dogs. And we going to be dogs. And our dogs is crazy. We got dogs, you hear me? Milwaukee, we dogs. We got dogs. Our dogs is crazy. We got dogs, you hear me? Milwaukee, we dogs. I haven't heard somebody own a crowd with dog talk like that since the mad dog got loose on all of Los Angeles. Thank you to the greatest fans in the world. Yeah! 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 Who let the dogs out? And to those who speak Spanish, les agradecemos. Gracias, El Perro and Morhorado. If all P.J. Tucker did was get up on that stage and talk about dogs, that would have been enough. It would have been way more than enough. But he just kept right on going, and you knew he was going to put that gigantic bottle to good use. One more swig for the crowd. One more swig for the crowd. One. <laughs> <laughs> We're not showing it on CBS Sports Network, but if you've seen the video of that one more swig, it was so good because it wasn't one more swig for the crowd. It was one more shower for the crowd. My man took a bath in champagne right upon that stage in front of the entire world, and he earned it. He deserved it. You all deserve it, Milwaukee, because you do have dogs, and you're going to have rings. And to quote Giannis, it's crazy, bleeping crazy. Best thing ever. And I will be there to join what's left of that party tomorrow night, my Wisconsin brethren. Milwaukee, we dogs! We dogs! He's right about that, too. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. 
With over a thousand locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. Off. Yeah, I know. I know. Damn, Rome. Why do you take so much vacation? Because I get so much vacation. And if I don't use it, I will lose it. So, starting today, I've got two weeks off. 1-800-636-8686. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24-7, support, free access to product specialists, and an experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call or click Granger.com or just stop on by. Friday is always a big head bets day. And as the big head's following continues to grow and as our bankrolls continue to fatten there is no telling which other days of the week i will roll the head in we've been doing it i've been spotting him a tuesday here a wednesday here but almost always and inevitably we're gonna have him in on a friday so here we are here the bleep we are alvin here we are wow dude we are Bro, what is your deal, man? You're losing drops. You're hitting the wrong drops. Who are you, writ? Inevitable. I just said, here we are. Here the bleep we are. And you hit the manual buzzer? Damn, they're right next to each other. Okay. Haven't they always been? And has that ever happened before? No. Excuse me, my bad. Do any of you on the other side of that glass ever own anything? I called it wrong. My bad. Anyway, head, what's cracking? Not much, man. What's going on? You believe these dudes? Dude, Alvin trying to run me before I even start. <laughs> the only thing more annoying <laughs> than those guys acting like that is the fact that you never even come around anymore. So there's that. <laughs> Listen, I want to say, uh, did you have some response to that? I wouldn't well, if I were I you. I mean, you're trying to make me work more than one day a week. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know either. All right. So what I want to say is, <laughs> what I want to say to you, head is you are on one, you're on a heater. It'd be awfully nice, though, if we had some NFL we could bet on. But wait a minute, we actually do. What do you say we jump in on a couple of futures, some over-under win totals on a couple of teams? And in fact, I would ask you what you like, but I want to direct you to one in particular. Mm -hmm. Considering Jerry Jones was talking out his ass yesterday, as if there's any other way that he would ever talk, but given that he did, why don't we start right there? What is the over-under on the number of wins for the Dallas Cowboys this season, and how are you playing that? The over-under is 9.5 wins in a 17-game season now. I'm going to hit the over here, actually. Their offense is easy to buy. Not only is Dak coming back, but pretty much their entire offensive line will be healthy, Jim, and they should be one of the best offense in all of football. Two seasons ago, this unit averaged the most yards in football with Kellen Moore as the OC. That should be the expectation again with them. The problem, of course, is the defense. They were ass last season with hot sauce in the eyes. Mike Nolan, they allowed nearly 30 points a game. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just say they were ass last season with hot sauce in the eyes, Mike Nolan? That's right. That's right. Just checking. They allowed nearly okay. 30 points a game, Jim. Yeah, I got it. That's right. Okay. But now they got Dan Quinn now as the D.C., Quinn's success in Seattle more than Atlanta would lead me to actually believe they will be better here. They also used their first six selections on their defense in the draft. The D is athletic. They have size and speed on all levels. The question is, can they actually play tackle football? I'm not sure of that. But in Jason Garrett's last four seasons, he averaged 10 wins per season. Mike McCarthy was brought in to take it another step. And while I don't think he'll win a Super Bowl in Dallas, I think this is his best chance to get the most out of these guys in his second year. Couple that with the most important factor here. They play in the NFC East with a favorable end-of-season schedule. I'm going over on Dallas and nine and a half wins. All right, I want to make one point very clear right now. When we do this, we're not jerking around. Like, that's good data. That's good information. I, I see what you did there. I like that. 
all good data. And off the very top, I want to reiterate what you said. It's a 17-game season. Keep that in mind. My feeling is they didn't really do anything significant in free agency at all, but they did finally get Dak's deal done. The schedule is forgiving. So is their division, obviously. I do not expect them to really win anything that matters, but I will hit the over along with you over nine and a half. All right. So, what about another team we talked about yesterday, the Steelers? Remember, they look like potential world beaters when they ripped off 11 straight to start the year, only to unravel down the stretch head and get knocked the hell out by America's team in the postseason. To me, Big Ben is a year older, a little bit slimmer, but for whatever that's worth. In fact, what is that worth, head? What's the number you have here? How are you playing the over-under on the Steelers? So their over-under win number is 8.5 for the season, and it's low because they play in the best division in the AFC North, and they have actually a tough schedule. Um, As far as Ben goes, I I guess I'm glad at 39 years old he actually now decided to get in better shape. I mean, great, great timing, dude. But having said that, he will probably need it, Jim, because that offensive line is the question mark. And I'm really... Not sure how to look at that unit. They were last in rushing yards, last in rushing attempts, and last in yards per attempt in 2020. So they needed a makeover, and pretty much the entire line is over. But I guess my problem is prioritizing. The the additions seem odd to me. They didn't get around to drafting an offensive lineman until the third round, and they haven't thrown a lot of cash at the position either. So Slim Ben might be running for his life. But, yes, um, I do love Najee Harris. He is legit their first-round pick. But, I mean, if there's not a hole to run through, I'm not sure how effective that will be. But another big addition, I will say, is Matt Canada. He takes over as OC, and that can only be better. Their lack of imagination on O was unbearable. Horrible-ass watch, horrible-ass watch. But here's why I will hit the over eight-and-a-half wins. That defense, it's one of the best in football again. They have talent on all three levels. They did lose Bud Dupree. But they get Devin Bush back. Bush is damn good on the inside. And they signed Melvin Ingram this week to help T.J. Watt out on the edge. I think they are better this season than they were last season. I love that defense. Also, Mike Tomlin's entire run in Pittsburgh, he's never won less than eight games in a season. Over eight and a half wins for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, so I agree and I disagree. One, I agree with the fact that they were a horrible-ass watch. Man, watching them dink and dunk two yards at a time was horrible last year. And I don't really know what I agree with. No, I I agree with that. I I disagree with the pick. I'm going to take the under. I I don't really believe in Ben at this point, nor do I believe in the guys in front of him, as you point out. And I think they're going to be hurt by the loss of some key guys. I know they're not jumping over Cleveland in that division. Probably not Baltimore. Hell, at this point, Cincinnati probably gives them hell. So, yeah, I said it. Sorry to tell you, Steeler fan. That window is already slammed shut, been nailed down, painted over. I'm going against you, head. I'm going to take the under. Let's do some baseball. You had Giant fan coming in to talk some junk. So we've got the Dodgers, the Giants are both in action, not against each other. How about tonight? Is there anything you see tonight, like namely Dodgers Rocks? Yes, Dodgers Rocks. Home, Dodgers are home, minus one and a half run line here. I like the Dodgers. The Rockies are the worst team in baseball on the road, be the run line. They cover 30% of their games. Also, their starting pitcher, Chichi Gonzalez is worse away than at Coors Field. He sports a 6.64 ERA on the road. They also have the second-worst bullpen in baseball behind Arizona. David Price gets the start for the Dodgers tonight. He's only pitched 16 innings at home this season, but he's been good there, and their offense is great. They score the second-most runs in baseball at home with over five a game. Colorado has the worst road offense, scoring about two. As long as the Dodgers don't use Kenley Jansen tonight, I feel good here. Dodgers minus one and a half for a minus 140 value. That is on the run line. I agree with you. The Rockies are, how do I put this, ass against the Dodgers. They are on the road. The Dodgers have beat them senseless. I'm with you on that. All right. How about the Giants, who just got over on the Dodgers, Mm -hmm. going up against the Pirates, who don't really get over on anybody or anything. What's the line there? How do you like that game? I'm going to go San Fran minus one and a half for actually a plus 110 value here, Jim. The Giants are the Phoenix Suns of the Major League Baseball regular season at this point. They are the best team in baseball against the run line. They are the best in non-division games via the run line in baseball. And the Pirates, as an away underdog, are bad. They cover 38% of their games. Their starting pitcher, Chad Cool, 
He's been good of late, but that's been at home. On the road, he's posted a over six earned run average. Um, Cueto is going for the Giants tonight, and he's actually better at home. Also, another thing, San Francisco is 8-0 in their last eight Friday games. Let's go Giants. Minus the run line for a plus 110. Where do you get this stuff? The Giants are 8-0 in their last Friday games. The last eight Friday games. I like that. I also like the Giants. They're a totally different team at home. The Pirates are pretty much garbage wherever and whoever they play. Garbage at home. Garbage on the road. Garbage as an underdog. Garbage with a bat in their hands. Garbage with a glove on their hand. I've got no problem laying the runs and taking the Giants. All right, and finally, head. An unbelievable fister Saturday night in Vegas. Yes. T.J. Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen. I mean, a great, great fight. I know you love the fight and the matchup. How do you see this one, and how are you playing it? Dude, I am so freaking geeked about this fight. It's been a while since I've been so geeked about this, and it's because so the, the unknowns on T.J. and what he will be like after his two-year suspension for being popped for the Lance, his number is at plus one sixty. Dude, 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 did you just say he got popped dude, for the dude, lance? No, no, no. Uh, sorry, EPO. My bad. Mm-hmm. For popped for the EPO. So his so his number is at plus one sixty, and I'm hitting that gym. Sanhagen, dude, he is a mother on his feet. He's excellent at controlling distance. TJ is also very good on his feet, and he's very unconventional. The fascination is these two dudes used to spar together. So they know who has the advantage, and I can't wait to see who that is. Having said that, TJ's more well-rounded. He was a good wrestler, and I see him uh, being able to transition from his stand-up to take this to the ground. I, I, I honestly have no clue how he will show up from the EPO, but I'm going to go TJ plus the 160. I mean, if you want uh, Sanhagen, you can get him at minus 200 right now. I know you love the value. Really quickly, for those who do not follow MMA or UFC very closely, like, dude, you're hyped on all the fights. Why are you so hyped on this fight in particular? Well, so TJ, he was on the short list for the, one of the best fighters in the world, regardless of weight class, before he got in trouble here, before he dropped weight. At 135, TJ Dillashaw was nearly unbeatable. This fight is at 135. He lost at 125 to Henry Cejudo. And he really shouldn't have gone down that weight. He, he lost 10 pounds when he really didn't have to do it. His excuse is the, that's why he actually used the EPO to, to lose that weight to go down. He never should have done that. But before that, I mean, he just crushed people. He's so incon- unconventional with the striking. He's just next level. But having said that, Sanhagen is an athlete, and he's great standing up. So in TJ's time off, Sanhagen has been great. So, I don't know. It's a great, great fight. I'd pay for this fight. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, hey, yo, Pirate, let's not get crazy about I'd pay for this fight. The, the next fight that you don't steal, the next fight that you pay for will be the first. I don't even believe you just said that. Man, you are a liar and a felon, head. Dude, I, this yeah, is a great pay, fight. I'm that is one of the funniest things great. you've ever said. Literally, I can't even believe you just said that. I would pay for this fight. Maybe think about paying for it, but oh, I cannot wait for this. You, you literally are a felon with all the fights you've stolen. <laughs> Come on, man. All right, but bottom line to me, there's no doubt. I agree with you. Dillashaw was a bad, bad mother bleeper prior to that drug suspension. Like, to your point, he was in the conversation of best in the world pound yes. for pound, but we have not seen him since 2019. Honestly, I do not know what to expect from him Saturday night. Is ring rust going to be an issue? Mm-hmm. Is he the same guy that he was when he was using? I don't know. Sanhagen, though, is a very dangerous dude who is rising quickly through the ranks. If he's impressive enough here, it could get him a title shot. I see the value with Dillashaw. I know how good he was, Head. I just don't know how good he's going to be coming off that layoff and what he'll be like off of the juice. My point is, I'm not saying that he can't be as good. I'm not saying that he can't be better. I'm saying I need to see it first before I bet it. I'm going the other way. I'm going to take the favorite, Sanhagen. Quickly, run it down for me. What are all your bets for the weekend? For the NFL, over nine and a half wins for the season for the Cowboys. Over eight and a half wins for the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Major League Baseball, Dodgers minus the run line v Colorado tonight. Also tonight, Giants minus the run line v Pittsburgh. And then TJ Dillashaw in the value play at plus 160 on Saturday night. Great job, Head. Put it up on Twitter. I'll make sure to retweet it so all the clones know what you're hitting. Thanks, Jim. Good job. The big head, James Kelly with a big fat segment.
I did not agree with all his picks. Sometimes I go against him and I get beat. Sometimes I go against him and I win. So keep in mind, don't bet it if you can't afford to lose it. And make up your own mind, but as always, he's coming at it from a really informed position. The big head, James Kelly. Coming up next hour, Charles Robinson. Stay tuned. On day one of the Big Ten Media Days, you have P.J. Fleck. You have Scott Frost. You have James Franklin. You have Michael Loxley. You have Brett Bielema in his return to the conference. I mean, you got some serious star power there now. Oh, and Jim Harbaugh also spoke. He probably got the biggest headlines. And I know what you're thinking. The hell is the head coach of a team that went 2-4 and four getting the biggest headlines for? It's a great question. Another question. Does anything that is ever said at media days really matter at all? And I'm going to say not really. It's typically always about how some player is more committed than they've ever been or some player is in the best shape of their lives or some player lost 10 pounds of fat and gained 10 pounds of muscle or that the underclassmen that you were excited about are actually faster than anybody thought. Or they get around to talking about World War II propaganda. Right. You heard me. Because Harbaugh was asked about his being on the hot seat. And his response was, well, this grade A bullcrap. Even for him, grade A bullcrap. People are trying to discourage you. You know, it's almost like propaganda, like, let's discourage them. You know, almost like World War II uh, propaganda machines, you know, um, you know, stop, quit, you know, uh, you know, no need to try. You have no chance. No, don't even try any further. Yeah. So you just that becomes like, no, we don't we don't we don't subscribe to that at all. We're trying to get to the top. We're going to die trying. We're either going to get there or die trying. Is there anybody anywhere not named Rit, who enjoyed or appreciated or even understood that analogy. The World War II propaganda analogy. I mean, I'm sorry, but what? Is there anything more tired than this guy in his rap? That answer made a Jerry Jones presser seem succinct and thoughtful and wise. Suddenly, Jerry talking about Kryptonite seems smart and logical. Like, how did we get to talking about World War II propaganda? And the hell does that even mean? Did he just pull that right out his ass? And if not, and he actually thought about a list of analogies that he knew that he could break out, what were the ones that he decided to turn down if that's the one he settled on? Stop. Yeah, I'm sure you're sick of being asked about underachieving and getting your ass handed to you every year by your rival and whether or not this is the year or whether or not Michigan finally does get around to admitting that bringing you in was a big mistake. Yeah, I would imagine that does get old. And I bet that you knew it was coming and you want to make sure you had yourself a snappy little response for when it did. Yeah, well, that's not it. You being on the hot seat is a lot of things. Most of them true. What it's not is World War II propaganda. Again, whatever the hell that means. Running out that bullcrap on media day is worse than running out this bullcrap on smack-off day. Romy, it's good to be on the smack-off. I just want to say thanks for taking my call. And uh, I'd like to wish everybody out there a very uh, happy holiday. And, and uh, I don't really have a whole lot of smack to say today. Say, uh it's a holiday and day of peace and harmony, kind of like Fuzzy and Tiger playing in the Masters. But uh, I want to wish everybody and their families a happy holiday, except for some of your clones who don't really have families and are behind in their child support payments like your boy Sean in Syracuse. Tell that clone to get a life. <laughs> Roasted! Just so we're clear on this, all right? That hot seat stuff is not propaganda much less World War II propaganda. You see, it's not coming from people that you're competing with or recruiting against. It's coming from the inside. 
It's coming from your own fans. It's coming from your own AD. He's the guy that just gave you an extension that was, in fact, really a pay cut. So it's not people in the media saying that they don't believe in you. It's your own AD and your own fans saying that they don't believe in you. That's not propaganda from your rivals. Those are facts from your supporters. The AD is the one who gave you that extension, which dropped you into the lower half of coaches in the Big Ten in annual base salary. And it made sense. He was right to do so. It was either that or just move on completely. So this is not some campaign of propaganda. This is a mandate of how much you have underachieved and underdelivered. Going 2-4 and four last season is not propaganda. Getting your doors blown off by Ohio State every year is not propaganda. It's reality. The inability to develop a quarterback The lack of signature wins, an abundance of signature losses. I could keep going, but none of that is propaganda. That's all facts. That's reality. Of course, there's a bullseye on your back, Michigan man. You're the one who put it there. You're not getting it done. None of this is propaganda. None of this is unfair. It's all about results, and you're not getting them. And they're not getting what they paid for. And, of course, he was asked about the challenge of Ohio State, and this is what he came up with. They're at the top. we gotta, we got to knock them off their perch, and that's, that's, that's on our mind every day. You know? And uh, uh, also, uh, you know, what you're doing that day, that day to get better today than you were yesterday, to be better tomorrow than you were today. I mean, both of those, those things on your mind, and then, you know, then we'll, be, uh, we'll be into the season, and that mindset of getting good enough at football to to uh, win that championship you know, will be uh, the strategy of being the best in the Big Ten. That's, that's where we're coming from. You know, like I would call that a word salad, but that would be an insult to salads across the world. At least salads are contained in a bowl or a plate. Nobody dumps a bunch of lettuce and tomatoes on a table, and then pours dressing all over it and says, hey, yo, there's your salad. That's where we're coming from. You want that on the side of the table or on the table? And that's pretty much what the answer was. That sounded like a dude who had not done his homework. That sounded like a dude who was called on by the teacher, had no idea what he was talking about, and just started puking up bullcrap and gibberish. And by the way, how is that possible? How do you not know you're going to be asked about Ohio State? How do you not prepare to have a good, tight, succinct answer for that? No, instead, his best answer was when he was asked about the hot dog eating championships. That one felt like he prepared for it. He attacked that question with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I don't know. If you were a hot dog eating champion of the world, ate the most hot dogs in 10 minutes, I mean, would you consider it a sport? I would. I would probably feel pretty good about myself if I could do that. Yeah, I'm sure Michigan fan was really fired up to hear their guy that locked in and that fired up on competitive eating. My guess, though, they'd rather that he be more locked in and they'd rather hear about his plan for beating the Buckeyes instead of his love of Joey Chestnut. Yeah, but don't worry. He does have a plan for that. Well, I'm here before you. I mean, I'm as uh, enthusiastic and excited as I ever am, always am. Uh, you know, even more, um, you know, to have at it, to, uh, you know, to win the championship, to, uh, to, to win the, beat Ohio, your, your, uh, your hometown there. Uh, you know, our rivals, Michigan State, uh, you know, everybody, that's, that's what we want to do. And, uh, and we're going to do it or die trying, you know. So let me repeat the last part of that with context, because I'm pretty sure what he just said was, we are going to beat Ohio. Ohio or Ohio State or Ohio U or whoever those guys are that keep kicking the hell out of us every single year. We're going to beat them or die trying. Remember back in the day when he would say crap like that, rip off his shirt, smash a steak, chase it with a glass of milk, and Michigan fan would just lose their bleep? Remember that day? Neither do I. Remember the last time he won a big game? Neither do I. Remember the last time he said anything and you believed it? Neither do I. 
You're 0-5 against Ohio State. You've lost those games by combined 95 points. If you're going to beat them or die trying, here's your bleeping shovel, dude. Start digging that shallow grave. Because if you get beaten by them again, if they do you again this year, that's exactly where you're going to be. So stop coming with your nonsensical analogies. In fact, stop talking, period, and win a game that matters. Because this has nothing to do with World War II propaganda, whatever the hell that is. And everything to do with you getting your ass kicked by your rival every single year. And you need to own that with the most enthusiasm ever known to mankind. Everyone, including the Michigan family itself, is tired of your rap and tired of you pointing your finger and blaming everybody else. Win a freaking game that matters. Just one. And we're going to do it. Just one. You know? And you better make it Ohio State. So we had to staff up. I brought a few guys in, but Adam Hawk is the new EP, and I want to bring him up. Dude, no pressure. Yeah, I'm uh, from Seattle, although I hate the Seahawks. Longtime listener of the show, really stoked that the position became open and that I got to talk to you and Craig and be a part of it. Hey, Julio, do you think Tom Brady's recovery sleepwear actually works? Uh, I don't know anything about sleepwear. Do you know Johnny Unitas? Oh, yeah. Uh, Who's that? The uh, guy that got drunk and tried to kiss Susie Colbert. That's Joe Namath. Yeah! absolutely through my spine getting into the my right golf cleat you are an idiot yeah you are one tattoo and a couple of stretched earlobe rings away from executive producing people's drink orders at a starbucks yeah hey uh, how's your day going i uh, honestly dream day the phones don't work y- moron yeah no what I'm- do you mean it's a dream day hawks stash i wasn't trying to draw attention to myself i was actually trying to blend in yeah because really- <laughs> that's good hawks you went from looking like a porn star to a murderer. It looks like dude selling used clothing. It's going to come pre-shrunk, pre-pit stained, and already smelling like cigar smoke. I'm going to get a picture of my cat's face tattooed onto me tomorrow. Uh, the only question left right now is placement. The only question left is where you're going to work next. Yo, he didn't tattoo his cat on his... Dude, he did. Oh my gosh, that's the cutest thing I've ever seen. The kitty cat on the forearm, that's it- hot. Did you have any idea that he was going to utter the name Sarah Jessica Parker? I did. You did? I did. And you thought that was okay? Yeah. Or Adam Hawk forever. Adam Hawk, and there is the medal. Oh, dude, that's nice. Yeah, thank you. Remember really? when uh, David Wise brought his Olympic gold in? This is uh, like that, except better. I've seen Twitter. They're all like, yeah, you were with soccer moms and fat guys there at the end. So? I don't care. Now let me translate all that into Hawk's natural dialect. Nice. Jim could not be any worse than he is right now, man. Dude, dude, I'm streaming this. Uh, I decided to do a little digging on Hawk. You brought him on air 78 times. You've ran him 57 of those times, and he's flamed out the other 20. That is pathetic. Do you want that money? My answer would be yes. Oh, you are some, you are some kind of dope. That just happened. Hawk, you all right? Oh! And they hand you this pamphlet. I'm looking at the pamphlet right now. It's called Circumcision. It's your decision. And uh, we decided, yes. You have the voice of a 20-year-old, the hair of a 60-year-old, and the spine of a 100-year-old. You're getting baked. Uh, no, no, Jim. I'm not getting, I'm not getting baked at all. But uh, <laughs> there, uh, there are some, some ways to legally Hawk, take you are, Hawk, you are some kind of goofball, man. I am Adam Hawk. I apologize. This one was all on me. That being said, dude, don't 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 you wreck an apology with a that being said. Dead-eyed, airheaded, tatted-up millennial hipster mimbo. And- Fill-in days where you kind of get a little complacent, if you will. How do you just admit to me that you don't go 100% when I'm not here? I don't know. Hey, man, I, I probably shouldn't admit this, but like when you're gone, <laughs> Hawk has done less to enhance your brand role than that crop-dusting valet from the Geisha house. Resigned to the fact that my 32-year-old body is just. Hawk, you're 32. Yep. The guy sitting behind you, who's 44 going on 70, can't believe you're 32. I want to see those shirts tucked in, all right? I want to see some long pants out there. Because in radio, you want to do something that people listen to. You want to do something that people love. And it was really fun to be a part of it. Thanks for having me and appreciate it. Good night.